You are now listening to The Sound of Sanity. This sound will continue for the duration of the program. Hey everybody, welcome to Sound of Sanity. I'm Nathan, I'm your humble and I'm your host. We've got Ben, he's the preacher, who's a teacher of righteousness right there. Hello, Ben. Hey, Nathan. Welcome to the podcast, old chum. Thank you. Old piece of shark bait. <laughs> I've been chewed upon many a time. Yep, we're going to need a bigger Ben. <laughs> I'm <laughs> just kidding. I like the Ben that we have just fine. All right. Hey, where's Jake? Yeah, Gone? <laughs> gone away? Gone and forgotten. No. Forgotten. Not forgotten. Not forgotten. I knew he was either forgotten or not forgotten. He was one or the other. He was one or the other? He was. Schrodinger's Jake. That's right. You look in that box, <laughs> he could be dead. <laughs> he could be alive. Schrodinger's Jake. <laughs> and now we're just saying nonsense words. Hello, folks. Welcome to Sound of Sanity. Last week, we had a rambling discussion that I don't even know where it started, but it went somewhere. Yeah, it started with cannibalism. a New York Times article on, yeah, cannibalism and popular entertainment. And then I started talking about Lord of the Rings, and that triggered a conversation on art. That's we pro- right. We promised we'd come back with a more, what's the word, a more considered take on art as made by Christians. And so here we go. Speaking of great art. <laughs> Speaking of great art. <laughs> Uh, ben, I think you're supposed to ask me a question. I forget I forget what the question no. is. My question, Nathan, is, so last time, as I recall, we just said, hey, stuff like lore is not exciting. The Daily Wire is obviously terrible. And we're just not excited about Christians creating movies because I'm Daily Wire is not Christians creating movies. We understand that. The Daily Wire is, quote, unquote, conservatives creating movies. Right. Big um, quote-unquote there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Heavy quote-unquote. But we're not excited about Christians creating movies like Lord TV. Mm-hmm. Not excited in the slightest. And then we made the the judgment that, you know what? What we're doing is better. Mm-hmm. It's better art. Like The Ville, Chip and Lance. <laughs> That's really funny. I didn't press anything. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, Ben's computer just started playing. Started preaching. Jake's poltergeist is here with us. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh my Doing all kinds of stuff on Jake's or yeah. on Ben's computer. Yeah. I guess Schrodinger's Jake is dead, but he's still with he's with us yet. He's with us yet. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, go uh, ahead. Well, it was just like, you know what? I'm more excited about what we're making. Mm-hmm. I think it's good. I think it's well written. Which isn't um, to say that we're not aware of all the places where we've done lame things or where things we've done haven't worked. Uh, not- I don't necessarily like to point them out on mic all the time because sometimes somebody really liked something that you made and if you denigrate it then they feel like you're denigrating them but uh, mm-hmm. punishing them for punishing liking them him. for liking so yeah. I, so i'm not going to give you a, a, a specific example of something that i think we made that didn't hit the mark but you it's, it's, all, it's all it's all over the place yeah so. by the way i'm saying this i'm not trying to say we are creating masterpieces that right. will stand the test of time. Michelangelo! <laughs> Move over. <laughs> you had your turn. <laughs> no, I just think that we're creating some pretty decent stuff, and I'm pretty excited about it, but mm-hmm. I don't feel any excitement like that for, like, Lord TV or what have you. I just think, I don't know that you guys know what you're doing. I don't know how, you, you know, you're, you're not inspiring confidence in me when I go to your site and I look at your trailers and your proof of concept stuff. And that's just how I feel. I mean... There could easily be Christians making stuff that I don't know about. It's not like I scour the web looking for Christian creators. But mm-hmm. in terms of higher profile stuff in our little corner of the world, which is Reformed, Evangelical, Conservative, 
etc. Lore TV is what you're going to hear about. Right. Um, it's possible there are great creators out there who just aren't great businessmen. The two don't tend to go together, as it turns out. And so we've just not heard of them because they wrote the great Christian, you know, modern novel and right. they didn't know, know how to get it published. And that's just an age old problem. But, but yes, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, so I think my question was, well, Hey, what's, what's the problem? What's the problem? Okay. I've got, is, maybe the problem is the problem that I'm a snob. I actually don't think that is. I don't think that's a very interesting line of thought, but maybe our list, maybe you listener think that that is just plausible. And certainly the people that listen to our movie reviews and our oh, book yeah. reviews accuse us of being snobs. I mean, mm-hmm. they, <laughs> they, they, they're just kidding, of course. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're kidding. Yeah. No, people, people. Well, some people, if you look at the reviews of our those particular shows, have been pretty direct and pointed and brutal in the way they've said we're snobs. Uh-huh. But even people who are, who like us and are friendly are like, oh, another movie that you didn't like. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, oh, I feel a little slightly ashamed sometimes, <laughs> but we don't really back down. Right, which to me is just. Why would you want to listen to something that you agree agree with? It's 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 like all the time I have to listen to these liberal podcasts that I don't agree with, or, or these liberal shows that I don't agree with, and they're interesting because they're different. And Christians don't want that. You guys just want an echo chamber. You just want to listen to how great Dune was. You already know how great Dune was. Listen to us be grumps about it. That's fun. But but anyway, that's neither here here nor there. I have four. I made I made a listicle for you, Ben. You excited? Yeah. I got four. Listicles. Four reasons why Christian art often misses the mark. <laughs> All right. I want them. Um, okay. So, number one, Christian art misses the mark, <laughs> which is an intentionally lame way of saying it. But uh, Christian art is bad, number one, I think, because Christians really think that art is going to save us. And that might be slight hyperbole, but what I mean is they pile a lot of weight onto art. They think it will be the tip of the spear in changing culture. They think it's how we're going to reach people. You look at the way that, for a lame example, you look at the way that Gospel Coalition talks about art and how transcendent Mm -hmm. it is and how beautiful it is and how much it's going to transform everything, how transformative it can be. Well, you go to Lore TV, you go to some of those other people. It's like, it makes sense to me. To, to some degree, because they've seen how culture has been degraded by the transformative power of bad art. They've seen everyone accepting LGBTQ plus because of will and grace, because they grew up with TV shows that just normalized mm-hmm. perversion. And so they're like, hey, can't we just do that in reverse? Can't we just be transformative with our art mm-hmm. in reverse? And yes, I mean, art is good propaganda. It, it does change things. But... We get very hoity-toity about it. I think we just often think that art is what will convince people, and it turns out the preaching the preaching of the gospel is what will convince people. If we're actually going to mm-hmm. transform culture, yeah. we have to be out there building churches. We have to be sh- actually sharing the gospel with actual gospel words, not just in beautiful, transcendent mm-hmm. metaphors and movies. No, we just need to sit down with our barber or our hairdresser or our grocer and say, hey... Have you heard of Jesus? That's how, that's how the first century Roman world was changed. It wasn't that Paul and Peter and all those guys were like, hey, let's, uh, you know, everybody likes to go to the Coliseum, so let's, let's put on a show, gang. That's, that's how we'll <laughs> transform. <laughs> Martin Luther, John Calvin, they didn't say, everybody likes all these decadent forms of, of plays and things, and uh, we're just... Uh, we're going to write something that's going to change the world. You know, we're just going to throw a grenade in that space, and it's going to have this ripple effect and 
it never has that worked. Never has it happened. You don't. You 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 often see great Christians, the the church fathers throughout history. I think the majority of them have a uh, very strained relationship with art at best. Uh-huh. And many of them are much more hard on it than we are now. Mm-hmm. Hard on it, even than I think you or I would be inclined to be. Yep. I mean. For most of history, plays were just associated with prostitutes. Like you went to the theater to watch prostitutes, and that's that's how you see somebody like Augustine or somebody mm-hmm. thinking of it. And so, church fathers are by and large co- completely condemnatory <laughs> mm-hmm. of art, of artistic expression, of and look. That's not me saying we need to burn our TVs. That's not what we believe here at Warhorn Media, but. I think you have to take seriously the fact that people have always seen this stuff as capable of being very dangerous, as associated pretty naturally with depravity and with a mm-hmm. movement towards downgrade, not towards upgrade. Mm-hmm. And we cannot think that we're going to transform the world through art. We cannot think that we certainly can't be like the Gospel Coalition and have a quasi-mystical relationship with it where where we actually think there's some kind of spiritual transaction happening when great art is made. And I know Brett McCracken and people like that wouldn't say there's an actual, like if you ask them point blank, is there a spiritual transit? Is there something happening in the realm of the numinous when great art is made? I don't think they would just say yes to that question because they're, Mm -hmm. I hope theologically rooted enough not to. And yet, Everything that they say, everything that's kind of downstream of C.S. Lewis and Weight of Glory and all that stuff is has that flavor. Great art is actually heavenly, and it points us towards heaven, and it makes us understand Christ's life. And so in the more for Reformed world, I think we have our version of that. And it can often be, great art helps us understand depravity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we just, we just do the negative version, <laughs> the sure. dour version. Sure. Which in its place is true. Yeah, yeah. Great art does help us understand both good and bad, but it's a relatively small part of life. And if we weight it with the expectation of it has to be a cultural driver and it has like pagans simply, maybe the the simple way to say this is pagans worship art. Art, Artists, movie makers, musicians, they are the high priests of Western civilization right now. And we cannot think that, okay, if we just sneak into that space and kill off their idolaters and replace them with our own idolaters of art. Mm-hmm. You know, if we just elect good high priests of art instead of bad high priests of art, we win the day. It's like, no, no, that's that's not how things work. So we need to we need to not worship art. And it's very easy to worship art. It moves us emotionally. It makes us feel things. It puts us in touch with transcendent feelings. It's it's very easy to make an idol out of art. And I think a lot of Christians do that. So that's my, that's, that's number one. Anything else you want to say about that? No. Okay. N- number two re- thing that Christians get wrong about art. Is that what this list is? Oh, ways that we miss the mark. Yeah. Uh, something like that. Something like that. We think that good intentions can take the place of hard work. It, it turns out art is really hard to do. And it's really hard to do well. Mm-hmm. It's really, if you're going to write a great novel or a great screenplay, if you're going to film something, if you're going to carve a statue, it's going to take hours and hours and hours of time. And it's going to take a lifetime of accumulated skill. And mm-hmm. you're always going to feel like an amateur and great art is never finished. It's only, or it's only abandoned. People think, hey, I'd really like to make the Christian version of Game of Thrones. Wouldn't that be cool if people could have that? And, and they think because... 
that's a cool sounding idea. You know, I'm going to write the great Christian fantasy. Tolkien did it in the early 20th century. The 21st century could use one. They just think it would be good for us to have that. And sure, I agree. I'd love to see somebody do that. But just wanting to do it doesn't qualify you to do it. You've got to learn how to do it, which is a skill set that has to be acquired. Just because you feel inspired or feel like you'd like to see it doesn't mean you know how to do it. It's very hard and complicated to write anything. And it requires work and work and work and work and revision and revision and Mm -hmm. revision and more work and going back. And uh, you spent a year on that and it didn't even work. So now you're going to spend a year on the next. Like it is just, it, it, it goes all the way back to the curse in Genesis 3, right? Thorns and thistles. We think we can bypass thorns and thistles in our intellectual work and in our in our mind work sometimes. Like, mm-hmm. well, farmers obviously have to deal with at- literal thorns and thistles, but it turns out there are non-literal thorns and thistles that writers and artists have to deal with. I mean, sometimes it is just like fatigue. It's your typing fingers. <laughs> if you're a writer, get worn down. You don't have the brain power to keep going more than a few hours a day sometimes. Like, I don't know. I'm belaboring the point, I suppose. But no, yeah. but I don't think people understand this. I think people read a book or something. And they're like, that's easy. It's just words. I mean, they don't, they're not so stupid or gauche as to articulate the thought, the thought that way. But, but they just kind of look at something and it, and it seems to, if it's done well, occur spontaneously. And so they're like, well, it can't be that hard. And it is tremendously hard. It is one of the hardest things you could think to do to write a good story. To, to, and, and so we can't be cheap about that. Most people will fail. Most. I remember reading. You know that cranky sci-fi author. You're probably. I'm sure you know. You're familiar with Harlan Ellison. Yeah. Not a not a good man. No. Not a good sci-fi author. Even I wouldn't say. But a a a, a brutal conceptual. Well, who cares about Harlan Ellison? But anyway. He did a writing, he was a famous crank, one of the great 20th century cranks. And he did a, I think this was him. I remember this anecdote from somebody, but he did a writing conference and he read, <laughs> he read the work of some young woman who had, and, and he just looked up and in front of a group of people, he'd read her work and he said, you're not going to make it. You, you lack the talent. You need to be done. Stop it. You're not, you're not a writer. And then he turned to somebody else and said, and, and your thing sucks. It's terrible, but you've got the basic skill set somewhere in there. Yeah, you are. And the whole audience felt bad for the young lady, and Harlan, Har- and, and you know, started Harlan Ellison <laughs> being a famous crank and a famous provocateur could sense it. And uh-huh. so he turned to the audience and he said, "Hey, you think I'm being mean to this woman? But I've just saved her from a lifetime of pain. Like she's going to keep." cracking her head against this <laughs> and she's no good. She doesn't have it. And I've, I'm the one person in her life that's ever been honest with her and just said, no, honey, you don't have it. And this other guy, I've condemned him to toil and to try and he'll still probably fail. He still probably won't create anything, but I've condemned, I've given him, I've, I've cursed him with having to try now. And you all think I've done him a favor. And you're idiots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the only per- the only person I did a favor was this woman who I told was it was crap. Uh, uh, yeah, that's a good crank story. And that may be a little overstated on his part. Maybe he could have been kinder. He is a famous crank and provocateur. But I think it's true. I think in some cases, I mean, we've both had friends who we both come from nerdy subcultures of mm-hmm. our own. And we've had friends, 
to have given us their writing and stuff. And sometimes you want to have the courage to say something like Harlan Ellison, where you're just like, I love you and I'm glad you're trying to do something, but I don't think you really have it. And so maybe you shouldn't waste your time because it's just, nobody's going to want to read this and it's not good. And some people, I mean, I hate to talk about things like inspiration and stuff, but some people do seem to just have an ear for it. And some people seem to not have an ear for it. And if you don't, you don't. It's it's like a tone deaf person at a certain point, Uh tell them they can't sing, give them freedom from ever thinking that they can and, and let them find other things that they can enjoy and that they can develop in their life. But, and if they can kind of sing, you can help them sing better, but there's, there's, there's no merit to lying to somebody about their ability. So this is all still under the point about hard work, right? Yes, yes, yes. The point about art is hard work. Yeah. Art is hard work. And I think Christian's can be very cheap about that. I mean, they, they, they do think that I really want to do something and therefore it must be good. Or I really think our culture could use something and therefore it must be good. And it's like, no, it's, it's, it's only good if it's good. And I'm not a crank. I, you know, I'm not Harlan Ellison for saying that, for pointing out maybe some of the deficiencies, the obvious deficiencies of Lore TV's little proof of concept videos, which mm-hmm. just look by and large, I'm sorry, but bad. And I understand a proof of concept. Well, a proof of concept is supposed to prove something. (laughs) If the only thing you can prove is, hey, give us money and then we'll make the cool thing. That's not really a proof of concept. (laughs) That's just a a hope of concept or or something like that. I mean, mean, you've seen videos by very talented people where where they're like, I did my own Darth Vader video. And you're like, oh, this is actually as cool as the Star Wars thing. That's right. I want to give this person some real money. Oh, that's absolutely right. Yeah. 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 And so we just can't be cheap about the fact that God built this world in such a way that it requires tremendous work to accomplish anything. And I don't want to elevate art. You know, one of the dangers of talking about how much work it takes is that I'm, I'll stray into the first problem and make it sound like it's this holy pursuit that, you know, only the select few can climb that holy mountain. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying some people are naturally better at it than others. And some people are willing to do the work and some people aren't. And there's just no substitute for that 1% of inspiration. I only believe in 1% of inspiration. I don't believe that anyone is just William Shakespeare without 99% perspiration. But there does need to be 1% inspiration. <laughs> you got to have some ideas. And then there's got to be 99% perspiration. And if you can't, if you don't have both those things, then you're not going to be a great artist. And, and Christian's just seem to be very cheap by and large. and Well, here, look, <clears throat> I think, I know you want to save this for the movie podcast, and I know that we're only in point two of four, you said. Right. You should talk for a second about about Nope, just really briefly. Yeah. Because it has a lot to do with this, because Jordan Peele, who made the movie Nope, mm-hmm. alien horror movie kind of thing, is a very talented dude. Right. Well, well, that's an example. I haven't of, seen any of his movies, right. by the way. That's but. an example. You've probably seen some of his comedy sketches, which I have, are very yeah. well done. Yes. That's an example of a movie with, let's say, much more than 1% inspiration. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a very talented guy with a lot of fun ideas yes. and uh, both conceptually, like, cool movie ideas that, you know, aliens and stuff, mm-hmm. stuff that makes movies fun. Also, a lot of cool, interesting, intellectual ideas, themes he wants to talk about, some of which are liberal crap, but others of which Mm -hmm. are interesting. In that particular movie, my argument, and you can listen to our podcast on Sanity at the Movies, is that he 
did not do he did not put in the perspiration like it just it's it's a mess it doesn't hold together and it feels there, there's a critic that we both like called Walter Shaw who's a very cranky godless <laughs> oh. <laughs> we talk about a, a crank and a provocateur Man. but what did he say about this movie I mean he just said he, he just said at some point maybe when you're the new hotness and and you're and you're so good at what you do that you start changing cultural discourse mm-hmm. that at that point you stop listening to other people yeah when they tell you you haven't worked hard enough on your idea and you stop writing a second or third draft of your script you're like no this is good enough it's me i'm doing it i'm awesome right and you get presumptuous yeah and so it was really that thought of presumption like jordan peele actually has worked very hard to get where he is he has a lot of good ideas but from what walter Chaw was saying and like i said i didn't see nope but it's it and i don't think i'm gonna probably but it got sloppy Mm-hmm. And so you can have that presumption even before you create something really good. Right. You can actually have a really good idea for something, and your presumption can keep you from doing hard enough work to make it happen. Right. Well, and unfortunately, the world is riddled with people who had that good idea and were presumptuous about it and therefore never got past the first draft, never actually did the work, or just thought that my first draft is brilliant. And and so... I'm not going to change anything for the publisher or, or, or whatever the case may be. And, I, and I'm afraid that spirit runs through a lot of the Christian world that I see. And I grew up with it. I mean, one of the reasons I'm hard on these kinds of things is because I did think that I was special as a kid because I had artistic sensibilities. And my artistic sensibilities weren't bad. I, they both weren't bad. And like, I'm not saying artistic sensibilities in and of themselves are evil things. Nor am I saying that mine were didn't have a little bit of inspiration to them. I think they did, but I was so proud and so presumptuous about it, and I thought it made me special. And it was just that's all crap, and it didn't make my life go in a good direction. It was only when God humbled me that I was able to actually use those gifts in a way that would be, I don't know, useful or likable to anyone. So I want to do the work up front of if there's a young artist listening, like get over yourself. And that actually is my point number three question yourself question yourself i think to be an artist in the 21st century in a decadent world that worships art is a very tricky tricky proposition very hard thing to do very hard to do and keep your keep a level head and be godly and so the godly christian artist actually needs to have a lot of self-deprecation and needs to have a needs to stop and ask what am i doing frequently Mm-hmm. He needs to be the kind of person who is is thoughtful, self-analytical, and surrounds himself with friends who are willing to say tough things and ask questions of him mm-hmm. and say things like, is this good? Am I wasting everybody's time? Am I crossing a line and trying to depict depravity here? Am I not? Like Those are the kinds of things that have to keep you up at night, I think, if you're going to be a good artist and certainly a good Christian artist in this decadent age. like. You can't just say, oh, I've answered those questions, and so, and I have a philosophy. I mean, you should answer those questions, and you should have a philosophy, but you have to always kind of be in conversation with yourself and, and praying a lot about it and, and saying, what would actually be good? And I just, you know, when I see the Lord did the trailer for their David thing where David's holding up a bloody head. Mm-hmm. I'm not a mind reader. I don't know what the lore people were saying or thinking when they did that. Maybe it was with, with much fear and trepidation and prayer and thoughtfulness that they 
filmed this silly proof of concept where David holds up a bloody head, but it certainly doesn't give the appearance of any of those things. What it gives the appearance of is, oh, ah, people like Game of Thrones and stuff like that. Let's do a David story kind of in that mold. Let's make it as bloody as possible. Cause then let's have David smiling as blood from the head drips down on his face. Yes. Like grinning. Like, I forgot. Yeah. That yeah, man. And it's like, is, is that really the story of David that you want to tell? Is that, I mean, maybe, I don't know if I thought that they were making a cogent argument, even one that I disagreed with that that's who David was like, we've read the scriptures and yeah, David held up that head and he rejoiced in God and he smiled and this is what it looked like. That's one thing. That's one thing. But, but that's not how the what the trailer says. No, the trailer just says we wanted to do something cool and provocative, and this was the best we could come up with. And part of what makes the trailer feel that way is how cheap it is and how shoddy it looks. Like, yep, I keep saying the head doesn't look good. It's a, <laughs> it's not a good decapitated head, and it's not good camera angles. And like, you have to feel you have to make if you're going to make a big bold provocative thing like that you have to make it feel like there's a lot of intentionality behind it just to quell some of the concerns that a a person might naturally have like oh these guys have obviously really you want you want somebody like me or somebody like ben to say well i don't necessarily agree with the bloody head but it's clear that they've given it a lot from the way they've shot this from the way they framed it from the way they scored it that they've given it a lot of thought and i can at least respect the fact that there's some intelligence behind what they're doing but they haven't done that and it feels like it's because they just don't ask the hard questions of themselves. And mm-hmm. I'm afraid that the Christian world is rife with creators and quote unquote artists who, who seem to not ask the hard questions of themselves. And, and let's face it, the, art, the artistic world at large is rife with those kinds of people and they're indulged by our decadent indulgent society. Yeah. yeah. And some of it's our fault. We've gone and seen the next Marvel movie or, or whatever it is and made it so they've made lots of money being indulgent and stupid and thoughtless but you can't be indulgent and stupid and thoughtless you need to ask hard questions and you need to be in a in a church surrounded by pastors by older people who are gonna ask hard questions you know i've had a lot of people in my life say ah nathan why do you want to do these artistic things and some of them have just been cranky christians who don't have are basically out of sympathy with the idea of making art but even those people, I would say, have been helpful in some way because, mm-hmm. I, because I think it's actually good to be pretty, to approach all this stuff with a lot of trepidation. Mm-hmm. Like I'm entering into an arena that's really hard to do well, has to be approached with a lot of humility and, and you have to be extra careful. You have to be careful in a way that an architect doesn't have to be careful or some, some other fields like they just go and they do their job. But an artist is engaging one way or another with what it means to be human. And that has to be funneled in a godly, thoughtful direction. I don't know anything else to say about that. The fourth, my fourth principle for Christian artists, or or I guess I'm framing these things negatively, aren't I? My my fourth thing that people tend not to do is, or or, sorry, make sure we get this frame right for our listicle. My fourth thing, bad thing that people do is they chase relevance. And I just think that's really stupid. I mean, one thing that was obviously dumb about that David trailer was that it was just Game of Thrones is popular, gritty sort of fantasy, gritty Mm -hmm. historical stuff is big right now. Let's just do a simple equation. Bible plus gritty. What's one of the grittiest stories from the Bible and how gritty can we make it? And then I think even the tweet that was shared from Lore TV about the, where they dropped the trailer was something like, 
a gritty, dark, uncompromising take on King David, you know. Right. And it's just like, you are chasing relevance. You are seeing something that's popular, and you are trying to be that thing. Did you find the tweet? I'm looking. You are trying to just do the Christian version of X. And it's generally a pretty bad way to make art, even apart from being a Christian. I mean, how many terrible Hollywood movies have come out because they're like, oh, they did Ghostbusters, so what can we do that's comic and horror? You know, it's like all all the dumbest things that you see are somebody not with an actual interesting original idea, but somebody chasing a trend. Right. And it's like, Christians should not be trend chasers um, Mm -hmm. for any number of reasons. Yep, yep, okay, found it. Told with the historical and gritty realism of The Last Kingdom or Game of Thrones, the story of how a young shepherd becomes the tribal chieftain that unites the 12 Hebrew tribes into the kingdom of Israel. I don't want to be too hard on that because I understand that part of the way that you sell something is by relating it to something that people like, like... You want to understand the concept of what we're doing here. Well, it's this meets this, you know. But on the other hand, everything these days is dark. Everything's gritty. I mean, those are buzzwords. Gritty is a buzzword for what people like. Apparently, we all, in the post-Sopranos age, we like gritty TV. And so Laura's doing gritty TV in the gritty style that we like, apparently. And it's just like, guys, guys. Your idea, your actual creative ambition has to extend beyond we're just going to do the story of David Game of Thrones style. If, if, if you want to do, I don't know about doing a story of David at all, but if you're going to do it, you better have an actual take on the material. You better right. have actually something that you actually want to say. Something that you like, who, is, who do you think David is? Start there. You, you must answer that question. And then they're going to even pander so much as to call him a tribal chieftain. Right. Instead of a king which is just really stupid. Right. David, are, you, are, you, are you trying to patronize the Bible? David is not a tribal chieftain. He is arguably, short of Jesus, the great king in all of history. That's right. I mean, he's, the, he's a type of the king of kings. He is the great king of God's people. He's anointed king, not chieftain. Right. <laughs> so why, why misrepresent that? Like, like, guys, why bother? If you're going to go that far... Just go make another Game of Thrones. I mean, maybe that's what you're doing. I yeah, don't but 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 don't do that because they already made Game of Thrones. Like, and just, it's gross. It's gross and it's stupid. Do something else. And people may like you know. It's like it, you can get ahead with flattery. You can you can develop a relationship with someone who's powerful by telling them you're smart, you're pretty. I like the things you're doing. But how deep is that relationship going to go? And how long is that relationship going to go? You can't actually build a lifetime relationship on flattering somebody. And it's a similar way. You might initially draw viewers in by pandering to them, by flattering them, by saying, you like this, and so we made this just for you. But, but actually, the way that you attract people is, is by having a compelling vision, by having something to say, by leading them, by teaching them. I mean, a great artist, here, here's, a, here's a pretentious artist statement, a great artist should actually be teaching people how to engage with the art that they make. Like a good movie teaches you how to watch that good movie. It actually has clues. You can listen to me and Ben kind of parse out 2001. I think that podcast is 
coming coming out soon on sanity at the movies and that's a, that's an interesting example of a lot of people didn't like 2001 when it first came out mm-hmm. including very influential powerful critics because they thought it was boring because they didn't understand what it was doing and, and it's like now everybody loves it and thinks it's a classic and it's because now this many years later people understand how to watch 2001 because 2001 over time revealed how to watch it it had clues that you had to work through to realize oh okay this movie is supposed to be boring this movie you can listen to our 2001 <laughs> yeah, podcast yeah, and i don't know if that's a great movie or not but that, that's not what i'm trying to argue today i'm just saying what you actually if you wanted to make a great david tv show which which again might be in and of itself a fool's errand mm-hmm. but let's say you did what you have to do is have a, a vision a good biblical vision for who david is and then you have to teach people why that's compelling Mm-hmm. Say, here's, hey, folks, here's why you want to watch our vision for who David is. Here's, here's why it's going to be exciting and cool and entertaining and informing. And here's how it's going to grow you. You can't just say, we had a concept and it was to do Game of Thrones. That's just, that's just, that's just pandering. Mm-hmm. And I'm afraid I see a lot of Christians doing that kind of stuff. Like, this is people like X. So here's Christian version of X. The Daily Wire is even worse maybe right now because they're like, here's sort of less bad pagan version of X. Well, it's the patriarchal so-called pagan version of X. Right. Well, you like warrior women. Well, what if we have warrior women who are still feminine enough to get beat up, but will still get in the fight that gets them beat up. And you can see their breasts sometimes. Right. And they'll eventually win. You know, they'll shoot the guy or stab the guy or whatever, but it's, it's just so they can... At the very last two minutes of the movie, restore the patriarchy. <laughs> <It's> like, okay. <laughs> Thanks, Daily Wire. <laughs> so there's my, four things Christians get wrong about art. We think it'll save us. We think it'll be the tip of the sphere in terms of cultural change. That's number one. Number two is we think that good intentions will substitute for hard work. Number three, we don't question ourselves. And number four, we chase relevance and we pander. Um, and there is just a, I'm sorry, but there's a lot of pandering and there's a lot of flattery. There's a lot of self-flattery and other flattery in the Christian conservative reformed art world. And it's, it's bad. Yep. <sighs> all right. Anything else? Anything to add about all this? No, I don't think so. All right. Well, I'm glad you listened to our podcast. It was a combination of, it's like Joe Rogan, but for Christians. <laughs> <laughs> 50% less F-bombs. <laughs> right. Not 100%, though, because <laughs> yeah. we know you actually like F-bombs. So, uh, right. Well, maybe Jake will come back. But that's the problem with Schrodinger's Jake. You never know. Hey, speaking of Schrodinger, have you heard about Schrodinger's Patreon? You mean going to patreon.com <laughs> forward slash Sound of Sanity and becoming a Patreon patron of Sound of Sanity and for the price of a cup of coffee a month? Helping us make our show and other cool stuff, other great art that will have influence for thousands of years. Yep, yep, yep. (laughs) Art that will transform the culture (laughs) that we completely have good intentions about and therefore is perfect. Art that requires no questioning or self-doubt whatsoever. And art that is completely irrelevant to the world today (laughs) and reminds you of cool things that you like. (laughs) Yes, Ben, that is what I'm talking about. Cool. I think there's a lot of listeners that uh, it's not so much Schrodinger's Patreon as it's Schrodinger's listener because they're they've either signed up for the Patreon or they haven't. Oh, very true. We're we're all we're we're waiting to 
C or uh, I don't know. I never really understood what old Schrodinger was up to there, <laughs> there, but the cat's either dead or it's not. And the listener has either subscribed to Patreon or they haven't, which means they're either a part of our discord or they're not. Mm. Well, they ought to be. They ought to be. Thanks for listening, everybody. Until next time. Stay sane. <laughs>